With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. So in order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to pay attention to and hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that happen. And I would love to learn more about the audience. So go to PodSurvey, that's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y, PodSurvey.com slash James, and take a quick totally anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers and, and even content that you won't want to skip. So once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash James, J-A-M-E-S. Thanks for your help. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. When I first moved to New York City, it was 1994. I I lived there as a child, but then I went away for school and then I came back. And I felt really lonely. In a city of 8 million people, sometimes you see all these people and you want to connect with them. And I just didn't know how. Seven years later, I went broke and I felt really lonely again because I was so ashamed of what had happened to me. And then I was getting a divorce. I felt really lonely again. And I, and many times during my life, you feel this, this deep loneliness as if, as if there is a, a storm and it just shipwrecks you somewhere and you're all by yourself. I brought on Rini Tarantini, who's been on the podcast before. She wrote a book called Betraying the Nobel Prize. But now she has a course on loneliness. She has some really interesting insights. Sometimes even when you have friends, I'll go to a networking event and I just won't be able to talk to anybody. There's all types of loneliness and she has some really good solutions and ways to deal with it. So there's a part one and then part two, but they're both downloaded today. I hope you enjoy. Today, Uni, we're talking about loneliness. You have uh, you have written stuff, you've done videos, you have a course on loneliness. I have an outline of it. Why did you do a course on loneliness? Because it's such, a, by the way, it's such an important topic and it's a really important topic mm. for me. Like I've, and mm-hmm. I'll describe it in a little bit, like maybe you could help me in, in the different types of loneliness I have felt even recently or in my life. But why did you make this course on loneliness? You know, loneliness has been a big part of my life uh, from I was a little girl, actually. My family moved around a lot in Norway when I was growing up. And so I always kind of felt out of place. We, we were different places because my, my dad's job. And then so I would be in a new school. I would uh, speak the wrong dialect. My, you know, I was kind of not like the others. So I felt like an outsider a lot of the time and had to sort of make a new foundation wherever we lived. And it was, you know, back in those days, people didn't move around so much like they do today, right? So 
um, you know, they have their family, they have their, their, their friends from, you know, generations in the same town. And so I was kind of the only one who didn't have that. So I felt a little bit sort of out of place and lacked belonging. I felt a bit rootless. And, um, and so loneliness was a big part of my life then. And then, um, I also felt different. So, so like, like when you, when you moved around from place to place yeah. and you were trying to make friends, there was kind of the, the group that of kids that, I mean, people in Norway don't really move around so much. I imagine, I don't know if yeah. you're moving around Norway or the world, but, uh, you know, little kids can be mean. And if they yeah. grow up together and there's a new person and that, that person's the outsider and hence the, the, the victim, the one they can pick on, is that what you experienced a lot? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's, I experienced that. And then after, you know, even after, you know, I kind of, when I was in my teens, you know, we, we kind of stabilized and we moved uh, right outside of Oslo, the capital. And so we lived there and, you know, things stabilized and I changed my dialect, you know, again, and <laughs> spoke like the other kids and try to be like the other kids, but I still felt very much different from, from other people. And I think I was just trying to fit in, trying to be like other people uh, growing up and being, you know, you know, even a, as a young woman. And that really, and that, that is really, um, it's a kind of a different kind of loneliness. When you, you kind of forget about yourself, you lose connection with yourself. Yeah. Um, trying to fit in and trying to be liked and trying to do all the right things that you think the other people are going to approve of, that has always sort of stayed with me. And then I moved, I moved abroad. First of all, I was in a, um, an exchange student in high school. Through this exchange program, they sent me to Kansas City, Kansas. So I spent a year there and that was really fun. And, uh, but I was always, you know, always the, the sort of the outsider and the different one uh, there too. And then I came back again and I decided, you know, as soon as I can, I'm going to study abroad. So I started studying law in Norway. And then in the middle of my law studies, I moved to Paris and decided to learn French and study law there too. So, so that's what I did. And I kind of, after that- well, aren't you the overachiever? Yeah, right, right. But that's another thing about my loneliness too, is that I, because I had this like, emptiness inside of me, this hole that I was trying to fill. And I became this sort of overachiever, perfectionist, trying to prove uh, my relevance or worth, you know? Right. Like, I mean, I feel like I could sue people in every country now with you by my side. Like, <laughs> like that. no, everybody's going to want to be our friend if I'm just suing people in Paris <laughs> and Oslo and... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's not a good strategy for making connection. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Like I think people try, but but to be fair, people try that strategy. People try to get positions of power because then, yeah. you know, status gets you friends. Yeah, right. And, and that fear. I really do think that that is, you know, we try to prove our relevance and prove our worth by by uh, by showing power, right? By by uh, and you know, and even the same. It's a little bit of the same with me too. I was trying to prove, you know, with, with all these, you know, degrees and then career and titles and even collecting people. I mean, you know, I was out networking and, and meeting people. So I have a good network, you know, pretty much all over the world because I lived in, in different places. Um, and, but even, even that didn't fill up that emptiness that I had inside because I was so disconnected from myself. Mm. 
So I think that's um, an important aspect of the, the whole loneliness is that disconnection. And I think we see that in, in, in society a lot around us, right? How I, that I like, disconnection manifests. Right, because there's this other issue. First off, I like how you say there's multiple kinds of loneliness. I think yeah. people think loneliness is just when you're not around people mm -hmm. or you don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, so you're at home at night a lot and by yourself and then you feel lonely. But it could mean a lot of different things. And like, for instance, in COVID, there was this particularly extreme kind of loneliness. Like, I wonder, I what was it like for the people who just didn't really know people in their city and were living by themselves and were, they weren't dating anybody or maybe they didn't have family around and they just they were just locked in their apartment for the for a year from the economic, from all the covid lockdowns like what what happened to them i i think it's it's been uh, i think we're haven't even really seen the consequences of that of the social isolation because it's really detrimental to our well-being uh being lonely it has consequences to our overall health, both physical and mental health. So, you know, we know that our immune system um, uh, decreases. So we, so we are more prone to get sick when we are lonely um, because we feel miserable. And, uh, and this, is, this is research done. And, and someone who's done a lot of research on this is, um, is Vivek Murthy, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is, I believe he is, uh, again, the U.S. Surgeon General. Um, yeah, he was under Obama, and now I think he is again under Biden. So um, he's done a lot of research on loneliness and connection. And he says that it's really detrimental. It's more dangerous to our physical health to be lonely than uh, obesity and smoking. Really? Yeah, or smoking um, fifteen cigarettes per day. What? Why? Why is that? I mean, I I believe you when you say it. Like it makes sense. But yeah. when you link it to something specific like obesity, which is always linked to so many major diseases, what does it cause? What What diseases does it cause? Or or I don't know what how to ask. Yeah, you. the way you know we. Human beings are, we're, we're social beings, right? So we are uh, hardwired to, in our brain, to uh, be in a community, to live in a community. And we've kind of lost that sort of sense of tribe and community. And it, or, and that started already in, you know, when, when we, um, in the industrial revolution, that's when we sort of lost that sense of, you know, people would move place, move to places for, for work. And, and we lost, you know, we, we sort of were spread, spread out and we lost that sense of the importance of the community, which can also be, I have to say, detrimental as well when you are not considered valuable as an individual. Um, that's something that we have a little bit here in Norway, at least when I was growing up, that it's, you're only, you only matter as part of the tribe, as part of the group, as part of society, but as an individual, you're, you're not valuable. Whereas I think today it has maybe gone, gone overboard with the individualistic, um, you know, society that it's all about like me, 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 you know, uh, see me, <laughs> uh, me, 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 all, you know, and, and how, um, 
and how we have uh, undermined the importance of community and that we don't know our neighbors. You know, we don't know the people who live around us uh, in our near, you know, community. And so, um, so, so we see that in places where people actually have a strong sense of community, and these are called, and they have actually, there's certain places uh, around the world called the Blue Zones. I don't know oh, if you've yeah, heard I've of those, on, right? I've had on Dan Butner, who's the, the author of that. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. He's done some and, awesome and, research. And yeah, you, so, so, so uh, I'll describe real quickly for the listeners, even though I knew you were about to do it, I'm sorry for, for interrupting, but it's basically these air, like seven areas he identified around the world uh, where people live with a high quality of life to over the age of 100. So there's a statistically high number of people living over the age of 100 compared with every other uh, area in the world. So there's like seven of these blue zones. And one of them, what a lot of it was really, and so he would identify, he would say like Okinawa in the, uh, you know, yeah. w- was a blue zone. And what, w- what what's their diet? What do they do? What are their habits? And there's, but all of the areas, everybody was kind of demographically the same, except for one area, which was Aventura, California. It was the only place in the United States. Yeah. And what linked, and he couldn't figure it out at first because they had different diets and they had different this. But what happened was, is that Aventura is kind of the home of the, uh, uh, a religious sect called the Seventh-day Adventists. And every, I think it was every Saturday, they go hiking together. And that yeah. sense of community, he figured, plus the exercise yeah. is what gave people, help people avoid loneliness and hence they lived longer. Yeah, right? So we should all be in a sect. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Well, but, well, well, we, well we know that being mm-hmm. in a group makes people happy. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. It's really important to feel that you're part of a group, and I think that's what we've lost uh, when when you look at the you know the polarization in our society. You know that's because people don't feel part of the larger group, right? And that is a kind of loneliness. So Dr. Vivek Murthy says is that there are sort of three levels of loneliness. The first level is the intimate emotional level, which is you know, having a spouse or a partner or like a best friend. And then you have the the second level, which is the relational sort of level of connection, which we need to have a larger group of friends. And then it, the third level is the collective. And I think that's where we get the polarization when we stop, you know, we don't mm. maybe trust leadership. You know, we feel that leadership doesn't have, our government doesn't have our, our best interests at heart. You know, all these things, uh, which which I also touched upon in my book about the Nobel Peace Prize and why that, you know, why it is so important to have to trust in leadership. And we need all three. Do you think we need all three? Like, uh, like, let's say you have a loving partner and you guys live out in the woods and you don't really hang out with friends and you don't really feel like you belong to any collective community. Will you start to feel lonely there or... I think it depends on the person. I have actually experienced exactly what you're saying there uh, because when I was living in Switzerland, my husband is Swiss, and uh, we lived in Geneva. And then when our son was born, first born, he, we decided to move up to the Swiss mountains. So we moved up there. My husband That's was traveling a lot. That's gotta be super boring. Exactly. 
and I, you know, I, I stopped working. I was working in finance at the time, and I was used to traveling around and and and, and you know. Uh, taking groups of investors to 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 see what we invested in and to you know and, and traveling and being you know to Russia to New York and and all these places and then all of a sudden at home with a newborn in a place where I didn't really know any people and there were a lot of cows but you know that was pretty much it and my husband was was away traveling for long periods of, of the, at the time and I felt miserable. And, you know, I sort of, you know, I had, I thought, you know, I had everything that I wanted. I thought, you know, I had a good life. I had a husband, you know, who, who loved me and, and a child that I loved more than anything. And yet I was extremely lonely. So I think at least for me, it wasn't enough to have just, you know, the loving husband and the child. I need to have uh, people around me. Like I need to have some sort of community. Yeah. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love you know turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's gonna be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. 
this is such a brilliant idea for a business and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use HIMS for now. Not on. that you need it. You're you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. Hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. I wanted to describe, because I feel like, so, and then we'll talk about solutions for loneliness because this is yeah. such an important issue. Like you say, it's not just about being happy and, and avoiding mm. depression and so on. It's it's actually about physical health. And mm-hmm. like people literally have heart attacks when when they're lonely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like two different kinds of loneliness, but they represent some of the extremes you were talking about. Like, I remember when I, uh, first time, I went, I had made some money selling a business and then I went totally broke. I was living in the place I had always lived, like in New York City. I had I had many people who considered themselves my friends and my family lived all there, but I was incredibly lonely. And and you describe this loneliness like um like I I felt ashamed of what that I had lost all this mm-hmm. money. 
So so it was almost the loneliness was kind of triggered a little bit by this this shame. And you say loneliness and shame go hand in hand. Loneliness yeah. can make you feel as if there's something wrong with you. I really thought there was something wrong with me. I I uh lost everything. I was I was losing my home and I was depressed yeah. and I couldn't sleep. So I would literally walk all night because I just couldn't sleep and I had no motivation. People would call me, but I didn't want to talk to anybody because it was like a self-inflicted loneliness I, mm -hmm. I, uh, because of this this shame. And, 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 and then shame at feeling lonely about it. And I didn't know who, I didn't have any ability to connect to anybody because I was so depressed and so on. Mm -hmm. And then there's another kind of loneliness I feel, which you also mention, which is I'm, I'm a very outgoing introvert. And I think people don't understand yeah. what introvert means. I think they think that introvert means, oh, you're, you're shy and other people are really extroverted. They are, are, you know, exuberant and great at a party and whatever. And I'm not shy at all. I could go up to anybody and, and talk to them. I speak, I have no fear doing public speaking. Uh, I perform comedy and in, in front of groups of people and one-on-one, -on -one, I feel I'm good with people. But if I'm like at a dinner party where there's like, let's say 10 people, or if I'm at a party at someone's house and again, about let's say between five and 20 people, there'll come a point. So introversion, being an introvert means you, you lose energy with social interaction. And at some point you have to regenerate and extrovert from what I understand you gain energy from social interaction. Again, you might still be, you might be a shy extrovert and uh, an outgoing introvert, but it's just how, how people gain energy and yep. recoup it. And so sometimes I'm in a situation where I like all the people, I want them to like me. And, but then all of a sudden I hit a tipping point where I've lost my energy and I need to re re you know, rejuvenate that energy and it's not the right moment for it. The party's still going, the dinner's still happening. And then I start, I shut down. And I even know in my head, okay, I have probably said my last words for the evening, but then that's where the loneliness kicks in because then I start wondering, has does, has anyone noticed this about me? Like, why can't I talk to anybody? Uh, why am I like this? Uh, just make small talk, but I can't even do that. I'm literally shut down. I have no energy left, even though I might've been life of the party, you know, an hour earlier. And, uh, and in those situations, I feel incredibly lonely, particularly if they're ongoing. Like if you're, if your social group hangs out longer than you're able to, uh, hold on to your energy. And if they do that on a regular basis, you're going to feel lonely most of the time, even though you're with people you like and you're friends with, and it's your community and, and so on. So though I, I would say on a regular basis, I have felt those two types of loneliness many mm. times, but yeah. not the type where I have nobody around me because I think I'm so afraid of having no one around me that all the times I've been single in my life, I've actively sought out, you know, friends or dates or things to do or whatever. Cause I know I'm really good for a short burst of time because yeah. I'm an outgoing introvert. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can resonate with that because I think I'm an outgoing introvert as well. 
I mean, I need my alone time. And I think that's it's a it's a it's an right. important distinction to make, right? That loneliness is not necessarily the same thing as being alone, you know, physically right. isolated. So, and and I think the loneliness that hurts the most is is the loneliness when you're surrounded by other people because that's when the shame comes in. That's when the like what 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 is wrong with me that I you know I have all these people around me. I have colleagues, I have, you know, friends and I'm at this this dinner party and then, you know, I I feel just so out of place and I feel like I don't belong here and nobody maybe sees me or understands me, right? So that I think that's a, it's it's a, an important and also what you described, the shame that when you when you went bankrupt and you know losing your your house and business and and all the things and feeling that maybe people you know kind of didn't want to be around you because you had failed in a way uh, in in some people's view which I don't believe but but uh, so you felt that that shame which maybe made you maybe also retract from people right because you felt the shame and that sort of it's a vicious cycle of, of yeah and maybe people loneliness. are judging me in those situations and that made me lose trust of my yeah. social interactions as well in a, yeah. in, and on top of being depressed when you're not making the most rational decisions mm-hmm. maybe I lost trust a little too much in people and that happens to me a lot like if I write an article and a lot of people don't like it. And I, and I only, you typically when that happens, you only hear from, you don't hear from the people who like the article. You only yeah. hear from the maniacs who want to reach out and tell you how much they hate you. Yeah. And then I lose trust again. Like, is everyone like this? Like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. And so, so, and, and, and you, you talk about this. So, you know, you have a section, what to do and identify which dimension of connection you're lacking. And you talk about the intimate or emotional connections, yeah. the relationship relational connections like friends or family and the collective mm-hmm. connections i think for me it's numbers one and two like i don't, I don't ever feel yeah. like i don't belong i don't really care about belonging in my community for some reason and then you say discover your self-worth which is incredibly important in in both yeah. the situations i described yeah and reach out i don't know how to do and maybe you could tell me if it's useful or not i i don't know I don't understand reach out because sometimes I don't know how. And I, you're, I think that's a really important, uh, important point that you bring up because, to me, the loneliness. That's uh, so many people tell you that. Oh, you're feeling lonely. Well, reach out more. Call, call, call up people. You know people. Call them up. And you and you can't do that until you sort of rediscovered your self, your self worth. Until you worked on the first, like the the connection with yourself first, and people so always say that, right? but that's mm-hmm. that's really hard. It's really that hard. Could, like, yeah. well, how do you do that? Like, and look, I've had to do it for myself, but how? What's like a? What are some ways of thinking about that? Well, I think you uh, talk about that a, a lot in your work as well. I think about your your book titled "Choose Yourself," right? Isn't yeah. that all about? your self-worth and how to yeah. build your, your self-esteem and self-confidence and self-worth. Right, exactly. It's how you can do that without the permission of others. Yeah. So often, so a classic example, if you wanna, well, two classic examples, if you want a job at, at, at Google, someone at Google has to choose you. Or yeah. if, you wanna, if you wanna write a book and publish it with a publisher, someone at the publisher has to choose you. Yeah. And my view is in almost every situation, where you're feeling that desperate anxiety that someone should choose you, 
you could often take steps to choose yourself. And, yeah. and part of those steps is building a foundation of self-worth in a variety of ways. Like you'd be healthy, you, mm -hmm. you, 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 you tame your emotional, mm -hmm. um, partnerships and connections and, and, and so on. Uh, but it, but it's difficult. It's a, it's a, I call it a daily practice because if you don't, if I don't do it every day, I quickly, you know, slip down the ladder yeah, and, and lose that self-worth. I agree with you. It is a daily practice and a multiple daily practice. And it's a decision that I have that, at least for me, I have to make that decision every day. Right. Like how do you I, do it? Like, you know, it's, it's really about like waking up in the morning and deciding it's, it's like you say, well, you know, you have to, if you want that job at Google, or if you want to publish your book with, with uh, an established publisher, you, you sort of sit there and wait for them to choose you, or you can decide, make that decision to, um, to, to, to just own it and just do things and, and take the next step forward, even if you don't know uh, what's going to happen next, right? So you have to, for me anyway, that is the it's, it's part of that choosing yourself every single day and deciding that today, I don't know the, the 10 next steps in, in my life, but I'm going to, I know the first one. So I'm going to do that. So if it is to write a book and publish a book, start writing. Uh, that's really interesting because let's just make it very simple. If you're in a bad situation, meaning X, Y, Z happened, and now you're feeling lonely and you don't know what to do. So it feels complicated in your head. What do I do? I'm, I have, I'm in this networking party and I can't talk or I'm locked down because of COVID. I can't meet or talk to anybody and I don't know anybody. The key is not to go, you know, broad on this, but to go very small. So, well, uh, I could just turn to the person next to me and ask them what they're working on if I'm at the dinner party. Mm -hmm. Like think of like two or three moves ahead. Like and, and this happens in in games a lot. Like let's say you're playing playing poker and you're you're down to just a few chips and everyone else has a lot of chips. You're not going to you're not going to go crazy. You're going to say, "Okay, let's here's what I'm going to do the next few hands. I'm just going to wait for a great hand and everything else I'm going to fold if it's not costing me money." And that's a kind of a a, a a small strategy, just, 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 you're just focusing on the next few hands or in tennis, your, your opponent is getting you. You just want to get the ball back over the net a few more times and see if the opponent messes up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in chess, you have a losing position. Can I make two or three moves without thinking of overall strategy of the game? Can I make two or three moves where I'm not going to lose immediately? And so here, what you're saying is in a, in a, situation that feels global about my loneliness, that feels desperate, just what are two or three things I can do to, you know, micro alleviate mm -hmm. that loneliness. And usually there's a way, but again, you have to pick correctly. Like I remember one time, so when I, this is 2002, I was, I was dead broke. I was losing my house and I had a new baby and everybody said just, okay. And I was just so depressed and, and lonely. And everyone said, just play with your baby. Like, Babies always make you feel good. That did not make me feel good at mm -hmm. all because <laughs> babies are hard work. Yeah. And so I had to really focus on on the baby. But at the same time, I couldn't stop really focusing on my problems because I didn't have any self-worth and I was so anxious. And and then and I just, I just, uh, 
I couldn't figure it out. It took me a long time to to even begin to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. That's you know, I, it's a lot about daily a day having a daily practice. And when I feel really low, there's something um, that I think I mentioned also last time that I do is is you know I sit down and. I don't even want to think about the next step or whatever I'm going to do, right? Yeah. Um, or I and I certainly don't want to reach out to to anyone. And I sit down and I have this like little journal, and then I write, you know, out the question, and I write, "How can I love myself a little more today?" And just writing that question down and looking at the words and just feeling those words, because when I feel really down like that. I don't love myself very much, you know? So just writing that and asking myself, how can I love myself a little more today? And, you know, and it's different from day to day, right? Maybe that day I need to just lie down on the floor and take a nap, you know? Or maybe I need to just take my dog and go for a walk. It, it all depends, you know? So I, so I decide on maybe two or three things that I can do for myself that day to feel a little better and to 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 respect and honor myself and that always shifts something in me that takes me out from that very very dark place so 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 there's two parts of this one is yeah. you write down yeah. how can i love, love myself, myself a little better th- today mm-hmm. and then you take action where you Take you know you do something yeah. like you you take a nap you you treat yourself to something yeah. which shows your brain that you're taking care of yourself that you love yourself mm-hmm. and so your brain's like oh okay I don't need to feel as lonely because she loves me yeah and but but and I mentioned it's two steps because how important is the writing part because I've heard that is very important yeah to me anyway it is it's something about that not writing it on the, on the computer or on my phone, but actually writing it out by, with a pen, you know, on the paper and seeing the words, you know, to me, I, in I a way do that does thing. something. Here, here's yeah. my, here's my, where I, I almost never physically write except on this waiter's pad every morning where I write ideas down. So. And that's, by the way, is another, uh, and this is something that I learned from you from, you know, your last book, Skip the Skip the Line, and which I really love. And I tell everyone to read your book and to and to do this because it's really made such a big difference. It's it's um when you can when you're really in a really dark place, for me anyway, when I when I write down ideas, and maybe I don't get to the 10 ideas, but at least I get to a few ideas, right? And then you you also write about that these ideas might, they don't have to be about you. They can be ideas for other people, right? So maybe right. I'm not in a state of loving myself enough to think about good ideas for me, but maybe I can think about a, a good idea for my, for my friend, right? And so, and I share that idea with my friend. And that just, at least what it does for me is that it takes me down from my miserable story in my head and it it gets me like more into the present moment and away from my problems and focusing on someone else instead so and, i and find that that's extremely helpful maybe maybe part of the writing is because like the reason the writing part is important is because i always say you can't think your way out of depression mm-hmm. or you can't think your way yeah. to wealth for instance 
you have to take you have to take action also. Yes, you have to think of ideas and what you can do and so on, but there always has to be action components. You can't say you can't think in your head, "Well, I'm going to love myself better today," and then that that's it. You did you did your job for the day. You have to write it down and then take action. And and even yeah. the writing it down is 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 a small form of action. And so, like you say, it's a small step. It's not just telling yourself something, it's actually the first small step of loving yourself is writing, is an action writing it down. Yeah. But um, uh, what other actions do you do to, when you're, or, or what should I do when I'm, let's say at a dinner party and don't know, you know, and I'm starting to feel like anxious and bored because I, I lost all my energy and, and the introversion is, is kicking in. You know, I am, um, before, I would say, I would tell you to just, uh, you know, stay there, pull through, uh, talk to people. <laughs> Today, I don't do that. I usually try to remove myself from a party where I feel the energy is low and I don't, I don't get, it's, it's all about relational energy. And it's a, it's a different, it's, mm. that is a component of the whole loneliness connection uh, discussion is relational energy. So relational energy is really just the energy that is created in every single social interaction that we have. And, and you, and you know how you, sometimes you, you spend time with people and afterwards you feel completely, completely drained. You know, you feel like, you feel like bad about yourself maybe. And I used to think that there was something wrong about me when I felt like that. And that I had to sort of like make efforts to to sort of maybe see that person even more to try to figure out like how what did I do wrong, but today I know that there's just people that that I shouldn't be around, and and then I try to surround myself with people who actually bring me energy that make me feel good about myself or challenge but, me or you know something that just sparks something right that is but, that is positive. That's so important because look, you're, you're a writer and yeah. you've written, you know, several books, two books or, or more. I, I know the two books, the, the Nobel Peace Prize, one betraying the Nobel and then the, uh, the lone wolf killer uh, yeah. book. And uh, I will say writing is a competitive sport. Yes, there's yeah. beauty and art to it, but people are reading your book as opposed to reading another. So there's like a yeah. competitive element. And in a competitive sport, you need to train and be healthy and in physical shape and, and everything. And, and you need to be around other people who bring up your competitive juices, not people competing with you, but people who are supporting you and, mm-hmm. and you're supporting them and you're in this together. And otherwise, you know, if you're with a bunch of losers and, you know, some, you know, they're all smoking crack in some crack house, you're probably not going to write a successful book, but unless you write a book about surviving crack addiction or something, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's sometimes when you can't get out of, like, let's say, you know, in, in, my wife, to her credit, is a great. She is a shy extrovert, so we're a good team. I'm able to go into a situation, bust the door down, and say, "We're here," and <laughs> and then I just ran out of energy, and she takes over from there. Like everybody. She's shy going in, but then everybody loves her and she could talk to everybody and has things yeah. to say and she's very giving and and uh, she does it very well. So sometimes 
you can't just remove yourself from a situation because you're with somebody and it's hard. Like sometimes I'll just go to the bathroom for a really long time, but then I don't want people to think, what's he doing in the bathroom? <laughs> Smoking crack? Like what? what's going on? And so, so what do you do there? I tend to find one person in that room that I can talk to because that whole, I think when you're introvert like us, the whole like small talk with a bunch of people it really drains me. But if I can have a deeper conversation with just one person, that kind of saves me. So I try to like sit sit in a corner with just one person or focus on, you know, one person at the at, around the table or, you know, something like that. That's that's so, usually saves me. So so a loneliness is important to acknowledge when it's occurring and there's many different types. Yeah. Like whether you feel bad around someone, that's a very uh, subtle thing to notice about yourself because it might be with a boss. You always feel bad when you're having dinner with them or if it's with friends or whatever. Or there's the loneliness of depression. There's the loneliness if you're isolated. There's a loneliness of, um, you know, as you mentioned, there's uh, if you're lacking a, a partner or if you don't have enough friends or if you want to be in a group and, and you're not finding status there. So there's various types of loneliness. Oh, I, I want to ask, how many friends do you think is the, 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 the average person should have? Not that, not that there's a should and not, I'm not looking necessarily for an exact number, but if you have one, that would be great. And then I'll know. But uh, uh, what do you think about when you think like, oh, do I have enough friends? Do I not have enough friends? Well, I used to think that that I needed many, 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 many friends. I collected friends. And uh, then it turned out that, that none of them were, were close friends. So I think, actually, I don't, I only, I think that you only need one really good friend. And, really? Yeah. And everything else is kind of bonus. And you think you can make friends later in life? Like a lot of people have friends from their childhood, but let's say you're six years old. Could you make a new friend that's such a good friend that this person will appear at your funeral? Absolutely. I, I absolutely believe, I hope so. <laughs> no, but I do believe so. And you know what? I've changed, and this is very recent, I've changed my perspective and view on friendships. I do, like I've I, moved I around curious. a lot and I used to be really jealous of, you know, all the people who had um, close friends from childhood and from there were babies and I used to think that that was the thing that I wanted, right? And I couldn't have that because I had moved around so much. So I always wanted to, you know, I was, I would, I would hold on to those really old friendships that the oldest ones that at least that I had. And then, um, and recently, actually just a couple of weeks ago, I reunited with some girlfriends that I've actually known sort of, we haven't, we sort of lost touch for many, many years, but now that I, you know, I moved back to, to Norway five years ago. And so I reconnected with some of these old, older friends and we have known each other for 39 years. So that's, that's a, you know, reasonably old friendship to me. And then, I, you know, yeah. realizing that we have completely gone in different directions. We really don't have, you know, much to speak about anymore. And we don't really have like common values or common, you know, anything. And, and also, you know, discovering that, you know, if they, if people don't wish you well, 
if you don't get the feeling that they wish you well and they want and they're happy for you in whatever you're doing, right? Then I don't think it's worth to maintain that relationship. And I think that, and I spoke to another friend about this who is a more recent friend who I've known for a couple of years. And she says that you can move, you know, you have these like sort of like circles of people in your life and you have that very, very inner circle with your very close ones. Maybe, you know, for you, that would be Robin, right? And, and your kids. And for me, that's my NJ, husband, my kids. And Jay, my NJ, who's, and, who's and, on this and podcast listening. Absolutely, yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, and then you have the, the circle around that one, which is more, more sort of the closer, closer friends and people. And then you have the, the circle outside of that again. So you can, and you can move people, you know? in and out of different circles. You don't have to tell them you're doing that, but you can keep a little bit of distance to those who maybe are not like, you don't, you don't need to burn any bridges, but I'm not main, maintaining, I've just, I made a decision recently, is that, is that I'm not gonna maintain relationships and friendships just because they're, um, they remind me of something in my, in my childhood or in my youth, mm. out of nostalgia almost. Yeah. Uh... So, so like right now, would how many, let's say close friends do you have? Like people you could call up and tell both. I, I, I saw Jordan Peterson give a talk the other day on, on YouTube. And he basically says, you want people who you can tell bad news to, and they don't immediately say, oh yeah, uh, I, you know, that happened to my cousin's friend also. And then they go on for 45 minutes telling that story. Cause you didn't really get anything out of telling them your bad news. You you wanted support and help, but instead they told you their own story. And he said, you should be able to tell them bad news and good news. Like they should be happy for you and help you celebrate when you have good news. And they should really listen to you uh, when you have bad news. And yeah. he said, that's a, that's a good friend. Mm -hmm. So how many people do you feel like you have that, like that in your life? I think I have three people like that in my life today. That's good. And so that may three. change, right? Like in a couple of years. But I mean, and, and now I'm not, I'm not hanging on to it either. So if someone sort of removes herself or himself from my, and they're not, you know, responding or they're not, you know, reaching out anymore, then they will sort of be removed and there may be, be some others. So I'm not, I'm not clinging on to friendships or relationships. And I think, I think relationships are, are really there to, to yes, to absolutely support us and 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 be happy for us and, and wish us well. They're also there to make us grow. And not all of our relationships or friendships are always comfortable. A friend is also someone who can tell you the truth, you know, when with something that you need to hear that you don't necessarily want to hear, you know? Yeah. Right. No, that's a good that's a good definition as well. And then let's say Let's say you're going out with somebody. Let's say you're having a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you're not feeling that this is the right thing for you, but you don't, but you know, it's very hard to, those things are always very hard to know what to do and whether to end it or not. Like, what do you do after that? Like, and uh, uh, that's a kind of loneliness as well. Mm -hmm. what, what, have you ever been in that situation? Like what tactics do you use in that situation? It's been a while since I've been in that situation because I've been married for 15 years. Um, so it's been, a while, it's been a while, but I used to, back in those days when I was dating and, you know, we broke up, you know, with, with a boyfriend, 
I would immediately uh, surround myself with lots of friends and lots of girlfriends. That's what I would do. And back in those days, I had a lot of people around me all the time because I felt that I needed to be, you know, I was, I was incapable of being in my own company and feeling well in my own company. I was, you know, I just, you know, it was, it was horrible to have even one evening alone with myself. Do you know what I mean? Have you been in that situation? Yeah, or, I, yeah. I, I can't handle it. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so I, I immediately, like I go out every night. If, but, but what if you were in an economic lockdown and you can't go out every night yeah. and you really are just lonely? Yeah. Well, then, like then the, you should- in the purest sense. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, that's when, um, first of all, you should get into my course, <laughs> into my online uh, masterclass and get some support there from, from me and the community and also work on the, you know, the, the self-worth and work on connecting with yourself so that you are actually capable of being um, happy in your own company. Not that you, you should be happy in your own company all the time, but at least that you are capable, right? Yeah, maybe list things you enjoy doing by yourself and try to do them. Yeah. Or yeah. like you said, take a nap if you're feeling tired. And yeah. I, I, like, I like these, uh, like loneliness is very complicated. I like these questions you ask, like, do you ever feel as if you don't have the support you need? Do you mm. ever feel rejected or invisible, exhausted, burned out, depressed? like you don't have anything to live for. If you answered yes to one or more of these questions, chances are you suffer from loneliness. And 60% of American adults often or always feel lonely. And you make the yep. point, which is very true, because I was this person, the person with 5,000 friends on Facebook is could be much lonelier than you or me. And yeah. I was definitely that person for large chunks of time. And and again, identify, is it a, a intimate lonely loneliness is it relational like not not enough friends is it collective you know take actions to discover self-worth reach out to people as much as you can take i love the take small actions if you don't know what mm -hmm. to do if you're feeling mm -hmm. lost because often when you're depressed you don't know what to do yep. and of course most important people i i, I want to Jay, I want you to come on the podcast. Jay, can you uh, open up your video? So before we talk to Jay, I, I also want to remind people, how can people find your course? So on my website, uniturettini.com, it's on the website there. You can just click on it and download. There's a free guide there, actually. You can also, from my Instagram account, uh, I'm the only one in the world with my name. So U-N-N-I... T U double R E double T I N I. So you can find me and contact me through my Instagram or Facebook or my website and get access to the course. So in part two, not only will Uni give more specific techniques for dealing with loneliness, but we drill down and find out if Jay is lonely a young lad from Malaysia stuck here in the big city. And uh, Jay's answers and our, or in particularly Uni's answers to Jay were enlightening for me. So stay tuned for part two. You could download it today. <laughs>